Welcome to Love Notes from a Soul Coach, a podcast where we talk all things healing, what motivates us, what gets in our way, how do we transcend those stuck places and learn to love and accept ourselves more. I'm your host, Mary, and I've crafted each episode around real themes from my private practice and my life with the intention of sharing insight, inspiration, and just keeping each other company along the journey. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into today's show. Hey, everybody. I hope you are having a beautiful day or morning or evening or middle of the night whenever this podcast happens to be reaching you. In New York, as I sit here recording, it is late afternoon, quickly becoming evening, and as it happens in January, it is already getting dark. <laughs> so ooh, it's such a challenge on the spirit to stay in our lightness when it gets dark early. But I am definitely learning as time goes on to appreciate all the seasons, all the seasons of the year and all the seasons of life, right? That's the best we can do. So today's episode is a topic, another topic that's very dear to my heart because I like to make the podcasts about things that are genuinely relevant and interesting to me because I put more passion into them that way. And I also pay attention to what comes up in my practice and what people reach out to me about on um, social media platforms. Um, and this is a topic that gets more attention maybe than any other. Um, and it is the topic of people pleasing. So for those of us who identify as people pleasers, um, we know all too well that what often lies behind our need for approval and our need to make other people happy with us, what lies beyond that or just underneath it is this deep fear of people being angry or upset with us. And that fear tends to control us. And there's actually nothing, you know, ironically, there's nothing pleasing about the behaviors that go along with people pleasing because almost all of them involve a deep disrespect for our authentic selves. It feels very scary if you are a people pleaser to just show up as your real whole self. So we're going to dive into this today and we're going to talk about how to bust out of people pleasing jail. in my 20s when I met my ex-husband and I was 40 when the marriage ended so I didn't have a lot of dating experience by the time I found myself single in my 40s. Before my marriage the last time I dated cell phones barely existed. Can you imagine? There were no apps. There were no selfies. There was just this happenstance of meeting in real time in organic ways and figuring out compatibility as you go. And I think there are good things and bad things about both versions. The old way was limiting and the new way involves a lot more opportunities to vet a person and not waste time for either of you. 
But it was a ridiculously harsh adjustment for me when I first started dating in my 40s. And there were times when it felt downright demoralizing, trying to be cool, trying to go with the flow, trying to hold on to myself in the midst of letting new people into my life and everything that that entailed. It was a lot to balance and I didn't always get the balance right. But this experience of dating in my 40s taught me so much about myself, especially about my tendencies to people, please. I got to see that wound in action in real time. And anytime we get to see our stuff playing out in real time with other people, we're being given a gift because we're being given an opportunity to heal. So when I was first dating, the feedback that I got over and over again was, you're so easy to talk to. You're such a great listener. At face value, those sound like compliments, right? But I did not feel good hearing this. In fact, alarm bells started going off because I realized I was slipping back into an old familiar role. I was de-selfing, as Harriet Lerner calls it. I was disappearing on those dates the same way I had disappeared inside my marriage. I was deflecting. I was being a good listener so I didn't have to do the talking, which is a way that we keep ourselves from being fully seen by other people. The dates were like microversions of a macro issue in my life. Esther Perel has a line which stopped me dead in my tracks the first time I heard it. She described the behavior of a client of hers as, I make sure not to need much so nobody will say no. Oof. Let me say that one again so it really sinks in. I make sure not to need much so nobody will say no. See, the need to please, to be helpful, to keep the focus on everyone else in our lives, it's self-protective. These are fear-based behaviors which don't accurately represent us or the truth about what we need, how we feel, what we want. These are self-protective defensive behaviors that we engage in in order to feel safe. So they're much more about an unhealed wound than altruism. Every living thing has needs, and every person longs to be seen, heard, well-received, and respected. A good conversation is like a volley going back and forth over the net. It's not one person with the football running down the field. I already know I'm a good listener. I grew up being the therapist in my family system, taking on everyone's stuff and trying to fix it at the cost of my own mental health. And I already know I'm easy company because it's extremely uncomfortable for me to assert my own preferences. So I tend to be accommodating even when the other person's not behaving well. The good listener, easy company feedback was not complimentary to me. It was painful. It was reinforcing some pretty dark, deeply held beliefs, like no one wants to hear what I have to say. Everyone is only interested in their own story. People are selfish. And you know, I'm grateful 
there was an opportunity on my path to unearth this stuff, even though it was very painful when it first started coming up, because the activation became a chance to challenge these deeply held beliefs and shift them. I'll probably say this at least once an episode, your deeply held beliefs direct your life, whether you're aware of it consciously or not. So when someone or some event triggers us, we're being given an opportunity to see behind the veil and really make direct contact with those beliefs. What does the narrative sound like for you when you've been activated? Write it down, get familiar with it, challenge it. When we get hurt, the temptation to go into victim mode is so strong. It takes a lot of mental discipline to hold steady and bear witness to our own feelings without becoming identified and and lost in them. When we drag an unconscious belief into the light of consciousness, we have the chance to understand it and change it. As long as it's unconscious, we cannot work with it. So beyond the de-selfing tendencies that I was starting to notice in those early days of dating again in my 40s, I also noticed that I was solely focused on the question of, do they like me? The idea of, do I like them was not in my consciousness whatsoever, for real. The make or break of a date was how the other person felt about me. I think a big part of this was connected to how scary it's always felt to me to disappoint someone. I grew to dread dating quickly because of how awful it felt to navigate that potential lack of mutuality piece. I was subconsciously not opening to my own genuine feelings because of how they might complicate things. And this is common in people pleasing. We are more than willing to contort and betray and split off from what we want for ourselves if it puts us in a tricky spot with the other person. Basically, it's called keeping the peace at the cost of yourself, which is, of course, not peaceful at all. In fact, it puts us at war with ourselves. The hard truth that I wanted to share with you today is this. We don't date or marry or break up with people. We date, marry, or break up with patterns. I heard a really interesting clip from an interview with Dr. Shafali where she talks about our tendency not just to partner with some version of our original caretakers, but how we unconsciously seek to recreate the energy we grew up with in our early years. So we're not just looking for a person. We are looking to recreate a familiar dynamic. In simple terms, we can ask ourselves, what was the overall emotional landscape of my home life growing up? Was it angry? Was there a lot of fighting? Was it eerily quiet? Everyone held things in. Was it depressing? Was it turbulent? What one or two emotions would you use to describe how you most often felt in your household as a kid? These are the feelings that your brain will seek to cultivate unconsciously in your most intimate relationships because these are the feelings that most feel like home to you. So the partnership that I'm in now 
is the polar opposite of my marriage in every way, but still I witness my old patterns coming up. Still, I catch myself going critical, othering, self-isolating at times, creating narratives that drive resentment or disappointment in me. And I don't live in a hotbed of these kinds of feelings all the time. And I'm grateful for how much peace there is in my relationship. And I don't take that peace for granted. I know it's directly connected to how much deep healing I've invested in within myself to not repeat history. However, the negative patterns do show up and show themselves to me because those negative patterns are the emotional energies I grew up immersed in. They will always feel like home to me regardless of how amazing the person I'm with is. The difference in my life now is that I know this. I can notice when those old narratives are starting up and I can nip them before they get momentum. I can distinguish between this feeling is legitimately connected to something my partner is doing that we need to address and work through versus this is an old wound acting up looking for some attention. You know, our old, our negative feelings often just want our attention. They want us to acknowledge something. But instead, we feel the negativity and it scares us and we find ways to distract or turn away. And then that negativity gets louder. So we push it away harder. And this is how we get locked in the dance of hurting and running from ourselves. All we really need to do is open to the feeling and say, okay, I see you. I'm listening. What do you want to share with me? As I investigated all of this, I got honest with myself and I was able to own the fact that as weird as this is going to sound, even in my healthy post-divorce partnership, the need to be disappointed still runs strong in me. So you might say, why would anyone need to be disappointed? That makes no sense. All of our habitual prevalent feelings hold a purpose, even if it's a negative one. I know disappointment. It is deeply familiar to me. And because of this, it feels safe. Feeling hope, feeling open and trusting and vulnerable with another person, those are not familiar or safe feelings to me. Even if they're objectively wonderful, positive feelings, even if I want to feel them, I am still up against my old programming and the pull of the familiar. So I have to work consciously and intentionally to reassure my own mind. Our minds are like GPS apps where you can program your home address and then all you have to do no matter where you are is open the app and hit that home button and directions are formulated to take you there. We all have a deep unconscious understanding within us of the frequency of home. Get familiar with yours, just like we talked about getting to know those deeply held beliefs and the narratives that go along with them. Get to know what home means to you because that's where your mind wants to take you. That's what your mind wants to create inside your deepest relationships. If you don't want your adult version of home to be an unconscious extension of the childhood version, do the reprogramming work. Stay aware of your feelings. 
That awareness is where it all begins. We catch ourselves drifting back to the same old, same old internally. And that's our opportunity to disrupt the pattern and reassure our own minds. I know this doesn't feel familiar. And because of that, it feels wrong, but it's actually not wrong. It's very much right. We're moving house. We're going to live in this beautiful, intentional state now. We're making new choices. This is how we have to learn to talk to ourselves if we are committed to ending people-pleasing, to ending those habitual compelled behaviors and leveling up to this new way of being inside of our lives. Have you ever heard of epigenetics? Epigenetics is the study of how our environment affects the way our genetic lot plays out in our lives. Epigenetics research has been disrupting the science world in big, exciting ways. It's been essentially challenging the idea that our genetics are inevitable that if your parents had a certain disease or if they were alcoholic or depressed, that you will inevitably end up that way too. Epigenetic research posits that it's our environment that's the big determiner, not our genes. The genes are there, but what happens in our environment has the power to trigger them or keep them benign in all of these different scenarios. I think of healing this way too. The wounds are there, The imprint of past trauma is there. I don't go into my days expecting that those parts of me will just not be there all of a sudden. I know they're there, but I can keep them from erupting through my awareness. My awareness influences my thinking. My thinking influences my feelings. When I want to feel better, lighter, more empowered, I adjust my thinking and my inner self-talk. In my relationships, both my partnership and other relationships that comprise my life, I aim to be awake, awake to my own triggers, to my own negative feelings, which, which want to blame and project themselves onto the other person as a way of giving me some relief. I aim to be awake to my own patterns, to my deeply held beliefs. I aim to challenge those beliefs every single time they rear their little heads I aim to notice those moments when I slip into autopilot mode because I don't want to live from that place. None of this is about perfection or creating impossibly high masochistic standards for ourselves. It's about living with inner peace and freedom. It's about liberation from pain. It's about empowerment and autonomy. You can keep breaking up with people and starting new relationships. You can keep blaming other people for how you're feeling. But what you will see over time, if you stick with this long enough, is that the same complaints keep coming. The same dynamics keep forming. The same core pain points keep manifesting because wherever you go, there you are, as the saying goes. Now, listen, there are nuances in what I'm talking about for sure. And there are abusive relationships where it really does make a difference who we're with and whether we stay or go. And I want to say 
ultra clearly with no ambiguity. We need to leave abusive relationships, not stay and try to work through our hindrances and our issues. There is no meaningful self-work that can be done inside an abusive partnership. It's like trying to rearrange the living room furniture while the house is on fire. We do need to qualify all advice, especially relationship advice, before we apply it to our lives. But when it comes to non-extreme, reasonable relationships, and when it comes to healing and transforming our lives, I'm saying, don't fall into the trap of thinking it's the other person. And that if they would just change or if you could just be with someone better, all of your inner turmoil would disappear. That's just ego distortion. The only thing that resolves inner turmoil is committed, ongoing self-work. And from there, we can look at our relationships and take stock and ask authentically in a very real, dropped down, honest way, are my relationships supporting the inner healing I want for myself or are they at odds with it? Can I use the teachings of all that is revealed to me through my relationships to deepen my own healing, break my patterns, and grow more profoundly into my true self? Or is the relationship a distraction? Is it a form of unconscious self-sabotage? Am I growing or am I stagnating? This last one is particularly important to ask ourselves. Am I growing? Because things that don't grow are dead. And you know what? This is your life. It's too sacred to neglect. And you are so very worthy of your own efforts. You know, your time is the most valuable asset you have in this life. So I deeply appreciate your decision to spend some of it with me today. If you heard something that resonated or brought hope or a new perspective to your life in a meaningful way, please consider subscribing, reviewing, and sharing my podcast so it can find its way to more ears out there. If you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me anytime at marywelch.com. You can sign up there to join my mailing list and stay connected to all of my offerings, writings, and updates. Till next time, friends.